podcasting from his front porch in Charleston, South Carolina. Grab a glass of good old-fashioned Southern sweet tea, put the kids to bed, take the phone off the hook, and get ready to learn how to turn paid traffic into leads, sales, and profit. And now, here's your host for the Media Buyers Association podcast, media buying expert, Charles Kirkland. Charles, I hope everybody's having a great day or evening, depending on where you are. And obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you're live. So, I mean, you're, you you have to be above ground. So, life is good to some extent. Now, I've got a friend of mine with, and, and I'm telling you, her name is Shola Abadoy, and she is probably one of the smartest women I've ever had the experience to talk to, to meet. And really, we haven't met. We've met virtually online. And I just want to say I absolutely adore this lady because she is so stinking smart. She is absolutely brilliant. So with that said, how's it going? First of all, Charles, flattery will get you everywhere like most women. So thank you for that very um, gracious introduction. It's, uh, it's an absolutely treat to be in the uh, studio with you today. Well, thank you so much. Today we're going to be talking about how to maximize your ROI and wealth by thinking like a media investor versus a general marketer. And for most people, that's subtle as the way I say it, thinking like a media investor versus a marketer. Those are comp- that's kind of like apples and oranges. They, they may be fruit, but they're completely on the opposite end of the spectrum. So with that said, tell us about this. You know, how can we maximize the ROI and build wealth? And how does this apply from an international standpoint? Because I'm going to just tell you, every time I've been talking to you, you're like, yeah, at the beach, living, living the life in Mexico. So uh, and I'm sitting there going, yeah, it's cold where I'm at. So let's, let's go ahead and <laughs> kick that off. Well, I think the, the first step is to really understand what most people's big reason why is, right? So imagine everyone who at this point might be walking a dog or you're doing some work in another window or you're doing a task or maybe you're even driving to or from. At the end of the day, you're listening to this podcast, unlike everyone else who decide to do something not productive, because you want to get more with less. And anybody who's had a breakthrough, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Charles, has realized that it really is about those subtle mindset shifts that they've made, as opposed to learning the next big YouTube ads hack, or the next big Facebook ads hack, or the next secret ninja uh, display network to advertise on. And so when we think about how to really um, generate more income and wealth for our, from our businesses, and we'll talk about the differences later, it's all about how do you use your resources more efficient than other people? Because everyone has probably heard of the whole 80-20 principle, right? Well, leverage is about getting more with less. So here's uh, the big idea for everyone. When you are thinking like a marketer, you're really mostly focused on tactics or you're mostly focused on which uh, um, um, traffic channel can get you profit quickly. But when you're thinking like an investor, your single biggest question is, number one, how can I make sure I don't lose money, right? And then number two, it's how can I make sure I always get out more than I put in? And I think when we ask ourselves how we start thinking like an investor, the first thing we say is how can we make sure we don't lose money, right? Everyone knows that when you're testing, you might lose a little bit of money, but we can talk about how you really can go into your media investments, um, limiting the risk of losing money because that's the big uh, um, um, ROI mindset of an investor. But then number two, asking yourself, okay, once I'm making money, how can I make sure I always get more than less? So I'd love to just check, you know, as we as we double click a little bit later about, okay, how do you start out investing in media with this risk mindset, which is, okay, I want to make sure I don't lose as much money as possible. That is brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. And you hit the nail on the head. I see so many people where they're like, and I'm going to just tell you, as a marketer, marketers are dime a dozen. I'm going to get hate email for saying that. But I can go out today and get an online marketer, a digital marketer, a print media marketer. They're a dime a dozen. I mean, you can hire good talent. Good talent, not necessarily cheap, but overall, you can hire it. But the reality of it is when you're looking at it from the standpoint of a media investor, it's a completely different mindset. And I feel that quite often marketers end up, buy and, and, and to use this as an example they go out purchase a 500 course on how to do youtube before they can finish the course there's a bright shiny object on you know youtube is like you know yesterday's stuff right now it's back to facebook so 
a $500 investment into Facebook. Before that's over, there's a brand new product on how to make money with Craigslist or something. I feel like they're always, they're jumping from product to product to product, never actually investing in them, themselves, their education. I mean, and do you believe that's a correct analogy from my standpoint? Absolutely. And I think that the, um, again, talking about the difference between the marketer mindset and the, the uh, investor mindset. And I think we should just be really brutally honest here, uh, Charles. This mindset shift is for people who are focused on wealth, right? So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I just want to make as quick a buck as possible, there is a um, there is some media for you, there is a podcast for you, there are blog posts, but chances are this episode isn't for those people. But for the folks who really want to, um, they have a bigger picture, you have a grander vision for what you want your business to be, or even what you want your legacy or impact to be, you really understand that there's a difference between um, short-term income and long-term wealth. So investors, first of all, they have a rule for investor investing, right? So just like if you are an investor in bonds, you don't fiddle with the stock market. So that's, again, a, a great analogy between an investor versus a, a marketer. So if you're thinking like an investor, then you're saying, okay, let me master one ad channel or let me master one method. Make money from that and move to the next one. Just like an investor is like, let me master investing in tech stocks or let me master investing in uh, international Brazilian bonds. When I get really good at that, then I'll move to another asset class. And I think most uh, marketers haven't been taught to step one, master one ad channel or master one um, ad creation method. Okay, mm -hmm. And then number two, once you get good at that, to the extent that you can make money consistently, then you move to the next channel. And just that one mindset shift alone, when you realize that before you move to any other method, before you move to any other ad channel, your, your metric for whether or not your yardstick for whether or not you should do that is, have I learned how to make money in this one? Then you'll really start to see a, a shift because people don't make billions in hedge funds or investment funds from flipping between stocks and bonds. They get really good at one particular investment strategy. They master that and then they move on to the next one. So that should add some insight to folks who are listening. Oh, that's huge. And I think, you know, you hit so many nails on the head with this one. And I think the reality of it is as marketers, we, we often aren't looking at long-term growth. There, there it's looks like, okay, I need to make money tomorrow, the next day, the next week. And the thinking is so short-term, it's like I'm going to cut off my – literally cut off my potential profits to make a little bit of money now. My future profits are non-existent. They literally are thinking day to day to day. And because of that, the actions – I'll tell you, the actions we take long-term are very different from the actions we take short-term. And I think, unfortunately, so you many people are just so short-term focused. And I'll even use this as an example. And, um, and, I, and I know this is probably not the example people want. But when you're looking from a standpoint of like what is working now in the online world of, of marketing or business – for a number of years, we modeled porn sites because, A, they had a massive yep. ROI, a massive demographic, to, to say the least. And around a year or two ago, most of these porn sites that – not that I go to these porn sites, but I, I follow that business. Boy, this really isn't turning out the way I expected. But I follow the business <laughs> they're investing. The <laughs> yes. And I, I really – it was a shock when I started realizing a lot of these people that I know in that business were telling me, Charles – we're not making money anymore. I'm like, what? You know, how do you not make money? It's adult video. And they're like literally telling me right now that they what what would have been making literally hundreds of thousands of dollars per month, now they're down to five or ten thousand because literally from their aspects, from what they're doing, that the world changed around them and they did not keep up. And I believe that Absolutely. is so common. And as marketers, we're, we're short-term, so we're seeing day-to-day. -day. As investors, they're looking out for the long-term. And I think that's a huge impact on business. Absolutely. And I think a great analogy for folks is that imagine if you were baking a cake, right? So let me just ask you a quick example. What's the best cake that your wife makes for you, uh, Charles, that you utterly love? Her, grandmother's, uh, her grandmother has a Pound, grandma's passed away, but she had a pound cake recipe that can only be baked under a full moon. 
It's good. Wow. Well, to... you know my grandmother's from the South, right? No, North Carolina, so my yes. mouth is watering. Anyway, back to <laughs> back to the issue at hand. So imagine if you decide that you're going to bake a cake. So your wife decides she's going to bake a cake, and every five minutes you are opening up the oven door, fiddling with the pans, making sure it's sure that it is rising or not. Well, it shouldn't be come as a surprise that that's a cake that'll never really come out well because every five minutes you're opening up okay well similarly when people jump from um tactic to tactic like a marketer having that marketer mindset mindset or they jump from ad channel to ad channel without mastering it without giving it the time to grow without giving their skills at a time to grow they don't get the end results they want and so i think the challenge is um most people haven't really been taught that you need to Take a specific amount of time, master one ad channel, and move to the other one. And that's how you start thinking like an investor. So as an example, I use either four months, which is a um, either three months, which is a quarter, or six months. And I take I tell people, okay, if you want to get good at media buying, step one is, first of all, I recommend everybody take one of those 80-20 uh, strength finders tests. I don't get any money from endorsing folks like the um, Colby test. Or also, Perry Marshall has a test at Marketer's DNA. Uh, also, the book StrengthsFinders.com. All three of those resources are great. And what these tests are going to do is show you what are you already naturally good at. You see, most times people are just reading random blog posts or listening to that random advice. But that advice is, is all around the, the writer or the speaker's core um, competency, right? They don't know anything about you. So step one is getting some sense of where you're starting already. And again, that's the mindset of an investor, right? So if an investor, let's say an investor who's always been um, an investor who lives in Silicon Valley and has a lot of friends in the tech space. She knows that chances are she has information that somebody outside of Silicon Valley does it. So she's playing to her strengths. Similarly, uh, increasingly, when you look at the, uh, the hedge fund industry, you have a lot of folks with physics backgrounds or engineering backgrounds because that's very numbers oriented and people already know they have a unique advantage. And so to bring this on home for everyone, Charles, step one is people listening to this need to do a strengths, a find, strengths finder or a strengths assessment test, okay? That's going to tell you what you're already good at. So you may, re you may uncover through this test that you're good at video. You may uncover that you're really good at images. You may unco uncover that you're good at audio. Okay, you want to start with that ad channel. You want to buy ads. You want to buy media on that ad channel. Then once you do that, you need to block out at least three and more like six months and say, okay, for the next three to six months, I'm going to ignore everything out there on the market, and I'm just going to focus on getting really good at that. Just like you wouldn't expect to uh, start learning Spanish on Monday, and by Thursday, you're switching to Swedish or Norwegian, and then you're wondering why you can't talk to everybody. If you don't really um, etch out some time on your calendar to get good at a specific uh, media buying strategy that's, that's tied to your strengths, is there any wonder why you're losing money? So I think that singular shift for people where they start to say that I'm going to start spending my time and my money with it with regard to my media buying like an investor as opposed to a short-term marketer is you're just going to produce so many uh, success stories that I'm just totally excited about the feedback that you're going to get. Oh, definitely. Now, I'm going to get a hate email. I know I'm, I, I get plenty of it every day, but this is going to cause a lot more. Let's talk about the difference of I'm making money versus generating wealth. I mean, I tell people making money. I know guys who make a lot of money but will be broke in 30 days. I know guys who make very little money who could probably go a year or two, you know, of savings. Let's talk about generating wealth from business versus just generating some income. Sure. Well, I think the biggest difference between income, which is really asking when we talk about income, we're really talking about that as a proxy for cash. Right. So if let's just take out the word income and say cash. Right. So what is the difference between cash and wealth? So cash literally is like a liquid asset. Right. And it is different from wealth because wealth comes in many different forms. And I think the biggest aha for people is to understand that income is something that stops when you do. Right. Wealth doesn't stop. Also, wealth is something that you own and you control and you can transfer if something happens to you. So everyone listening call, ask yourself, do you have people in your life that you love, whether it's your kids or your spouse or your other family members or just folks who just believed in you and no one else would? If something happens to you now, 
and your business is all about income, then when you die, the income stops, right? Because you just basically are totally focused on income or cash. But if you have wealth, if you're really using media buying to leverage your wealth, and we can talk about how one does that later, then whatever happens to you, first of all, when you stop, the money doesn't stop, right? And the number two, you uh, if something happens to you, then you can pass that on. And so if you if you're if you have a media buying real business where you focus on building wealth, then the thing is that you can't your your folks, everybody who loves you can't inherit a job, right? But they can inherit assets. And as I tell often if I talk to people often on different shows, one of the seven D's, D is in David will happen. That's either death, okay, divorce, disability, disagreement between you or someone else, okay, departure of key staff, disinterest. Many of us know that we just love engaging in different projects and we get disinterested. And then the last one is um, um, disruption in your industry. And so the thing is that if you're singularly focused on how am I just going to make more income, then you don't realize that at some point, one of those seven Ds is going to happen, and that's going to interrupt your income. And it's ultimately meaning that you have been so focused on income that you've just really created a job for yourself as opposed to an asset, because an asset works for you no matter what. An asset can be transferred. An asset can be left to those that you love, okay? But your income, your marketing income, okay, it stops when you do. And so that's, a, again, a, a, a great example of having that long-term versus short-term mindset because a few years of building wealth can last a lifetime, right? But uh, many, many years of building income, no matter how hard you stop, when you decide, okay, I'm just ready to retire or I just want to take the next five years off, then down goes your money. So I really hope that that mindset shift for people is really going to have them start making decisions that um, take that into account. Oh, that's huge. That's absolutely huge. And, and I, I'm going to be honest with you. As you're saying this, I'm thinking that is like hitting home right now. I can see right now people falling out of chairs, like thinking, where's your 7D webinar? We need to have the 7D webinar right now. <laughs> I mean, that was brilliant. That was absolutely brilliant. Now, tell us about now. For I'll just tell you, you have the ability because you you've just just came from Mexico and we talk and you're like, yeah, on the Mexico and you know having fun there. I mean, tell us how it is that you get the, the ability to live international. I mean, I think that's a huge thing. Something that as many of us have read the Four Hour Work Week multiple times, we realize that is a dream for a lot of people. For some people, it's attainable. For some people, they're not really ready to make that decision. But tell us about international life and, you know, the adventures of a single female. Well, I would say that it, it really start, started with me uh, through the writings of folks like Richard Koch, who re wrote the 80-20 um, principle and 80-20 living. And other people have been around for a couple of hundred years, okay? It made, it really started with me understanding that of all the decisions that you might make in um, your life, right? Um, three decisions are going to have the biggest impact on your overall happiness. So number one is what you do, okay? That's obvious to most people because they go to work eight hours a day. Number two is less obvious, which is who you live with, okay? So that's totally has have impacted my, um, you know, just on a more personal net, um, note, like who I've decided, as much about who I've decided not to marry as um, who I'm eventually going to marry. Sidebar is that I know that I've avoided at least three di divorces, right? So I probably wouldn't be talking to you today without understanding that decision-making process. And then number three is where you live. And so why why are we interested in Facebook ads? Why are we interested in email marketing? Why are we interested in webinars? It's because we want the resources that enable us to make those three decisions that are ultimately going to impact our happiness. So what we do, okay, where we live and who we spend our time with, both at home on a personal level and also in terms of work. And so for me, a, a, a bulk of my time hanging out in marketing circles was all about, okay, let me just like make those sales funnels perfect. Let me just find that next ninja marketing uh, strategy, all because I knew that my work was a big part of my happiness. But when I really got the time to um, step back, Charles, what I realized is that, you know what, you want to make profits because ultimately those profits are going to affect the people that you have in your life, 
both in terms of a partner as well as your work colleagues, but it's also going to impact where you live. And I can tell you right now, for people who might be in Europe, I had the pleasure of living in, in Sweden for the better part of five years, or for people who might be in cold parts of the world, okay, because at, at some point where summer in the States or fall in the States, it's winter other places. I can tell you that no matter what you are doing, okay, I don't care what it is. When you're doing it surrounded by panoramic views of the ocean and beautiful mountains and beautiful flowers and the sky is so clear that every night you can go out and catch the sunset or just um, gaze at the stars, life gets better. That is real wealth. I can tell you on a very practical level that I enjoy as much mobility, if one were to measure wealth in terms of mobility and in terms of having time to do what you want to do, I enjoy as much freedom as a double-digit billionaire. And so to pull it on back, Charles, Charles, I realized that getting good at medium buying was as much about having the resources to, number one, be around the kind of people that I wanted to be, but also push away the people that I didn't want in my life. Number two, to be able to spend every one of my 1,440 minutes in a day doing exactly what I wanted to do, not what I didn't want to do. And then number three, being in those environments. There's there's ample scientific evidence that sunshine really, really makes you happy. There's also evidence, because I just saw a difference between my uh, um, you know, life on the East Coast and also when I was by the beach in Mexico or Spain or something like that, that the, even the ocean, okay, or seeing the mountains really affects your happiness. And so I would say that everyone who has really embrace online entrepreneurship, you really need to to use some of your wealth. Mobility is a form of wealth, right? And so if you're on the East Coast, because I'm originally from Washington, D.C., you know that a good three months out of the year, it's hellish out there. Well, what would happen to your productivity if you decided, even if you didn't want to go to Mexico or to Spain or to Croatia or Brazil, whatever, what if you decided that, okay, for three months out of the year, we're going to move this family to San Diego or we're going to move the family to the tip of Florida? I can guarantee you that whatever money you think that you would spend with that move, you'll probably make it up in your productivity. And so just understanding to, to some things up, Charles, that we're doing what we're doing not just because we want to make money, right? We're doing what we're doing because those three decisions that really impact your happiness in life, what you do, where you do it, and whom you do it with, we it's almost like a leverage, a, le a lever. When you have that money in place, then all three of those factors, you can really um, uh, do, you know, do what you want to do. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that environment is a really big factor in your personal happiness. Oh, I can attest to that. I can tell you during the winter when it gets like the sun's not coming out, my wife looks at me and says I'm grouchy. I think she, I think she may get grouchy <laughs> too, but I think I'm the one probably more grouchy. And, and exactly what you said is one of those things where I think when we look at we're like, oh, only the multimillionaires have the ability to go to Key West. They have the ability to go to Europe, go to Mexico. And I think the truth of the matter is that's a mindset. That it's a it's tr it's a false. It's it's truly a lie that we believe because a we haven't researched it. We've been told by people who've never done it that that's how life is. I truly think life is a mobile experience. And the more I can tell you, this, the more I travel, the more I see things. I mean, from even just different cultures, even within. Um, you know, even within your state, you know, just looking at how different people interact with different things, what their experience is of individual items. I can tell you this, when it gets rainy, like it's been here, I mean, I'm grouchy. You know, it's dark and dreary. My dog doesn't go outside, so I can't go play with her. And the reality of it is, I'm sure that takes a toll on my productivity, you know. No, and that, Absolutely. And I just think that at the end of the day... <laughs> And this was something that a lot of people still, I don't think, will ever get. Business, to me, is more of a game of mindset than anything else. If I'm not in the right mindset, I, I can sit at the computer 12 hours, get very little done. I can have the right mindset, and I can get done more in four hours than most people will get done in days. It truly is a mindset I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Now, and, and, and to dovetail that, Charles, mm -hmm. like, I mean, people need to know, like, why should they listen to shows like yours? I can tell you why I listen to it, right? Because I can be sitting at my desk and I can be saying, so as an example, um, we took our, um, our family to uh, Spain and Morocco about um, four years ago for the Christmas and um, 
New Year's of a um, of lifetime, right? And I can just tell you how funny it is. My mom, her her grandparents are originally from the South. I can tell you how funny it is trying to find like Carla Greens in um a, a, a upscale Spanish um you know grocery. But that's for another episode, Charles. In any case, the whole idea was that literally before that trip, step one is that I went to the different travel agencies and the different real estate agents and saw, okay, this is how much it's going to take to give my family the experience of a lifetime. Okay. So you put an actual price on it. Step two is like, okay, how do I sit back and how do I launch a sales funnel? Okay. Let's say it's 10,000 or 15,000 or whatever. Okay. Um, how do I launch a sales funnel in order to be able to go out and make that money and, and pay for it. And that, that's really what we're talking about. You, it's just a question of sitting down and saying, okay, maybe the, the, the winter is coming. You might be on the East Coast. You might be someplace cold. You could be in Europe, wherever it's cold now. And you're like, okay, I just want to live in the Bahamas for three months. Okay, go out, talk to some real estate agents, put a price on it, and now you have an exact specific target. Now you know, okay, I have to go out and I have to invest two hours a day really tweaking my sales funnels because if I do that, the payoff is I'll have that money in place to do what I want to do. And so I would really encourage everybody to sit back and say, okay, what do I actually want? Whether it's something material or whether it's an experience, okay? Go out, research how much it's going to cost, and now you know what your sales funnel has to generate. And that just makes you so excited about being an entrepreneur because when you're in a job, you can't work more and get more, okay? If you need you know, tens of thousands of more, more that month or the next two months from your job, there's nothing that you can really do to all of a sudden, they don't, they're going to kick you in from being a manager to the CEO of the company. So you have that extra money. And so I just want to encourage everybody to listen to podcasts like yours for both the lifestyle aspect of it, but also on a very practical level, because once you realize what you want, and then you put an actual price tag on it, whether it's dollars or euros or pounds or wherever you are, then you can listen to uh, shows like yours, realizing that, okay, the payoff for learning how to track better, or the payoff for learning how to do a better email follow-up sequence is that I'm going to be able to go out and have my sales funnel make the exact amount I need in order to attain what I want. So that is just so exciting to me that I just, you know, I can't talk enough about it because this stuff really works. Well, absolutely. And you hit on something that's huge, and you're talking about creating an asset in a sales funnel. And I think most people end up, they throw, they look at a funnel as how fast can I get in, how fast can I put it together, and how fast can I throw crap to the wall to see if it sticks. And the reality of it, it's like, an, to me, it, I'm investing my time, which is the only thing I can never get back from anything. So when we're looking at funnels, we're like, okay, I want to spend the time to do it right. Also, I don't want to spend a year doing it, but I want to spend the time to do it right because it's truly an investment. We've got funnels that literally over two years old are still making sales to this day, and it's an investment. I mean, it's truly an investment. It's an asset in your business. You pull it out, whether it's a webinar, whether it's a funnel, whatever you're doing, you really need to look at your your business as a, from my standpoint as a I'm investing my time and I'm expecting ROI out the other end. Absolutely. And, and just pulling us back to the whole issue of a, a mindset of an investor versus a someone who's a marketer, right? So the investor thinks of what she or he acquires in terms of assets, right? The marketer is just thinking of income. And the thing about an asset is that it can appreciate, right? So your income can appreciate. Once again, you might spend a couple of weeks on some CPA campaigns, but then when you stop, the money stops. Well, if you spend a couple of weeks really creating a proper sales funnel, really dialing in a, a, a media strategy, then you have effectively created an asset. So what's the difference? First of all, the asset can generate income for you when you stop, number one. But number two, you can actually sell the asset. You see, most folks in capitalist society, they make money through the sale of assets. They don't make money through income, right? So that's why folks who may have heard of the Instagrams of the world, they're shaking their head because the the, the founders of Instagram, they they work for four or five years and then they made a billion dollars. 
Well, you might be making, you might be working four or five years, but chances are, if you're just running CPA campaigns, thinking about them short term, you're not going to make a, biz, a billion dollars because you haven't created an asset. And an asset is just something that somebody else wants and somebody else can be transferred, right? Because if you're building something that you can't transfer to somebody else, it isn't an asset. And so whatever you do, here's a fantastic a checklist to determine whether or not it's just short-term income or it's an asset. Once again, number one, will the income stop when you stop? Okay. Number two, do you own it? Okay. So a, a list is an asset. An email list is an asset. Okay. Uh, um, search engine rankings are not an asset because you don't own it. Okay. Number two, do uh, number three, do you control it? Again, you control your database, your in-house database. You don't control your SEO at, uh, uh, rankings. And then the fourth one is, is it transferable? Again, if I can't transfer my asset from you to somebody else or vice versa, then what good is it? It's like having a house that you can never sell. And so really using that four point checklist to decide what you should put um, as a priority versus what you shouldn't can really help you maximize income, not just in the um, the short term, um, um, Charles, or rather the long term, but also the short term. So that should provide some major aha moments for people. Absolutely. I've never heard that said before, a house you can't sell. That is, I like that. I really do like that. And I think the biggest issue that when people, when when they're looking at, and I'm just use this as an example. A friend of mine sent me something last night. He goes, "Hey, would you mind looking at this?" I'm like, "Dude, absolutely amazing. Um, go build a business, build a brand around this one thing." And he's like, "No, I want to sell the rights to it." I'm like, "What?" And I'm like, "Dude, you know, you have an entire business built here. I mean, this this is a very catchy thing." And he's like, no, I, I'm looking for quick cash. And I truly believe so many people make the mistake of, uh, and I understand sometimes there's that need for cash, completely understand that. But I often think we overlook the ability, you know, when you're selling for two, three, obviously not two, but hopefully three, four, maybe ten times, you know, when you're looking at a multiple of that, that magnitude, that means your entire focus should be where is the exit of my business because I don't – as an investor, I'm not buy, I don't want to buy somebody's I don't want to buy them. I want to buy something that's going to create a positive ROI for me. And I think so many people make the mistake of building their business short term either around them. And I'm going to use this as a classic example. Um, I have the highest respect for Tony Robbins, by the way, the complete highest respect. But there cannot be another Tony Robbins. I don't care how you slice it. I don't care how you dice it. The, the business certainly could sell. There's no question about that. But I think it could, it won't get the number that it potentially could, if that makes sense. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that's why there's a big, uh, um, for, I would call it in terms of um, wealth versus income, the personality market, marketing that often happens in the internet marketing space is so flawed. Because the thing is that if any one of the big personalities, which we won't name here, if they passed on, right? Their business is basically going to stop, okay? Their family can't inherit that business because a bulk of the reason why people bought from them was because of the whole guru thing, right? And so you touched on something that is just so, I mean, part of my frustration with the whole internet marketing community is that there's so much talent in the community, but people don't really talk about the things that make the big bucks, right? So you talk, you mentioned the the um, aspect of a multiple, right? So a multiple is just how can you get paid for more than what you make? So as an example, if you say you have a business that is doing a half a million, let's just make easy math, right? $250,000 a year in just income, right? When you're just focusing on income, you are bringing home whatever, and then if taxes that two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, okay. Bear in mind that taxes are uh, um, income is taxed differently than capital gains, and taxes are ta wealth creation is is hugely tied to tax advantages. But that's for a whole nother podcast. In any case, let's say business one, you're just focused on income, and you make two hundred fifty thousand dollars in profit that year. You bring home two hundred fifty thousand dollars in profit. But what if you were building a business that was sellable, right? Then you aren't just making $250,000 in profit, but if you sold that business, let's say at a, a 4X multiple, then you would make the $250,000 for every year that you're in business. But when you sold that business, then you make a million dollars, right? And so with one 
event, the sale of your business, you would make more than four years of income. Now, many people listening to this will say, well, I'm running a lifestyle business and I don't want to sell my business. Well, number two, as I said, one of those seven D's is going to happen. D is in David. You might get disinterested. Maybe you want to do something else. What would happen if you had a business that was sellable and then you could sell the business that you're no longer interested in, take the money, do what you wanted to do for a while, including buying another business versus starting one from scratch, okay? Also, too, divorce happens. Americans, 50% of American uh, marriages um, end in divorce. So there's a good chance that, at least for the folks in the States, that you might be saying, oh, I don't want to sell my business now, but if you end up in divorce court, that's going to be an issue, okay? The same thing with death, the same thing with disrupt this disruption in your industry and because the vast amount of the vast majority of wealth in America as a business owners comes through the sell of your asset not from the creation of it people have to understand that this should be your singular focus if you want to know how you can get the most money quickest number one you should be thinking about how you can build a business from the start that's sellable okay and number two you should be thinking about how can I build the kind of business where the tax laws naturally favor me keeping as much as I as I make and so that's a huge mindset shift for people and even the the, the issue of business at um, exit or business buying versus uh, building is something that people don't realize that mastering media buying can help you in, in every aspect of that. Oh, absolutely. I and mean, I think and we had a conversation. We have so many conversations together that nobody ever gets to hear. But I can tell you, y'all should wow, – if y'all, if y'all listen to stuff that we said, you'd be amazed. But one of the things you really touched on was the ability to buy business. When you're talking cash flow versus – I mean is it – harder to start a business or is it easier to buy a business i can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt if there's one thing that i wish someone would have told me when i started out as an entrepreneur for the love of god i wish i had been really exposed to the idea of buying a business versus starting one from scratch and so here's the best analogy for people to really get this aha moment you have two options, okay? Option one is what they're talking about on 99.99% of the podcast, blogs, webinars, email, newsletters, what have you, conferences, which is imagine you want to, you want a house. What you got to do is go out and you learn how to make bricks, and then you learn how to make uh, windows, and then you learn architecture, okay? And then you have to learn how to um, do plumbing, and then you have to learn how to do interior design. And imagine you're wanting a house that is uh, um, nicely appointed and that is structurally sound. And you literally, that, that is the culmination of probably 20 skill sets. Well, here's the thing. When you start a business from scratch, it's like the person who, instead of going out buying a house, you decide that you're going to learn all 20 of those skill sets, and then you're going to build your house from scratch over the course of five to seven years versus someone who says, you know what, there are only a few things that I'm already good at. Let me go out, okay, and find the money, just like you would find a mortgage. Let me go out and find the money to buy a business, okay? And then, number one, I won't have to learn all of those skills. I won't have to start from scratch. And the funny thing is that if you buy the right house, you could rent out part of the house. Let's say you rent out part of the basement, okay? You make enough money from renting out the basement to pay for the mortgage, and you're, you're in the green, from you're in the black, rather, from day one. Well, the same thing goes for buying a business versus building a business. Let's say you decided that you needed, you're listening to this, and you're a white-collar professional, or you're doing this part-time, and you sat down, and you've reasoned that in order for my income from my business to replace my income from my job, I need to be bringing home $120,000 a year. That's $10,000 a month, okay? Well, there are 2 million businesses for sale across the United States alone. So in um, particular markets, let's just say that let's be very conservative. Let's say you have to buy a business at a um, 2x multiple. That just means that if you want to buy a business that's cash flowing $120,000 a year, Charles, you have to come up with two hundred and $40,000, right? Okay, so now you need to buy a business for $240,000. First of all, it's a heck of a lot easier to get investor money for a business that's profitable than a startup, okay? Most people don't even know that. It makes sense, right? Because if you buy a business and it fails, then your investors can um, um, uh, um, take the business back and sell it and get their money back. So just in terms of risk, buying a business is so much less risky than starting one from scratch, in addition to taking you less time. Okay, so that's the first thing. But number two is unlike starting a business from scratch, 
when you buy a business from day one, you're profitable. But where it really gets awesome is where the leverage come in, comes in, just like buying real estate. If your business is cash flowing, let's say $120,000 a year, well, you can go out and you can buy in some instances, um, you can um, um, borrow 80 or 90% of the value of the business, right? And so maybe you only have to come up with, let's say, 25000 or $40,000 or $50,000 to buy that that business for close to a quarter million. And the money that you're making from the business, just like if you bought a piece of real estate and you use part of the rental income to pay for the mortgage, well, now you're going to use part of the cash flow of the business to pay for the loan that you got for a business. But here's where it gets totally exciting. And I want everyone to just lean in here. When you get really good at media buying, unlike people are focusing on SEO or social media or um, laborious content marketing, you can grow that business fast. And not only that, you have enough money coming in from the cash flow of the business so that you can afford to spend one or five or ten thousand dollars at least go out and spend part of that if your business is bringing in ten thousand dollars a month then you can afford to spend an extra thousand dollars a month in media buying versus starting a business from scratch where you don't have the income coming in so to summarize everything i'm saying buying a business versus building a business it's like buying the house that you want versus um, waiting seven years to learn how to build a house from scratch. That's number one. Number two, buying a business versus building one is like being profitable from day one versus having to wait years and years. Buying a business versus uh, um, um, building a business is like um, having the money to invest in media from day one versus having the scrambling for it. And so the, the combination of business acquisitions and media buying is so attractive because you're really uh, employing 80-20. And if you were to look up 80-20 in the dictionary, what we're really talking about is how to do more with less. And so those those little nuggets right there, I almost feel a little uh, bad here, Charles, because this is some of our like secret knowledge that we only talk about when the um, cameras aren't rolling or the tape isn't rolling. But we just really want to empower people with this knowledge because I can guarantee you that they're not talking about it any other place. No, I think you hit on a – I mean – if if you leave anything if you leave this webinar with nothing else think about this and the concept of and I, I've sold sites before I've sold businesses and I'll tell you there's nothing like getting that little payday it's like okay boom you've got cash flow coming in from a from a site that you, a I was you know you lose passion about but the reality is when the person buys something and I think this is even a, a better example to create a business from scratch. It's, I'm going to just tell you, it's difficult. I've done it many times, and it is very, very, very difficult. Um, you know, from the standpoint of being able to go buy an existing cash flow business, that's like one of the smartest moves you can make. And yet so many people think, well, I don't have the money, don't have the cash, don't have this. But if you look at how much money you're going to spend literally to build a business from scratch, and if, you don't, if you're not an expert, if you don't have some skills already, um, that's a steep learning curve that you may never be able to overcome. Absolutely. And we're not even talking about, it doesn't have to be huge numbers, right? So everybody listening who chances are has spent anywhere more than $2,000 on info products. What would happen if you just went out and bought an actual site, right? So here's a ninja tactic. Let's say you uh, in, are the dating niche, okay? You go out and you buy a site that already has traffic for, let's say, $1,000 or $2,000. And then you add your retargeting code to that site, okay? And now, you've done, now you're going out and you're not just buying a business. You're buying traffic, right? And so you don't have to start with a quarter million dollars. You don't have to start with a million dollars. You don't have to start with a hundred thousand. You can start with as little as 500 or or a thousand or two thousand dollars to go out and buy a site. Okay. Which is actually not only if you're lucky as you know, for less than $5,000, it's hard to find businesses that are doing a lot in cash flow. But if you go out and buy a site that is already getting the traffic that you want, Okay, number one. And number two, it has even a little bit of cash flow, right? So there's sites out there that are, let's say, um, $2,500, and they're bringing in $100 a month in cash flow, okay? But those same sites might be getting 3000 or 5000 or 10000 extra visitors a month. So not only are you buying cash flow, but you're also buying an audience. And so for anybody who says, well, I don't have the money, well, if you, instead of going out and buying an info product, which won't lead to results unless you do the work, why don't you just go out and buy the results? When the when the money is transferred and you buy a site, 
you're going to get the traffic. You're going to get the income. When the money is transferred and you buy that next info product, unless you do the work, you're not going to get the results. So that's another one of the, the um, investor versus marketer mindsets that really is a small tweak that just moves a huge door. Oh, it's huge. I can give an example of this and just kind of going through the seven Ds. We have a woodworking site that used to do about 70, somewhere between 70 to 60,000 a year in sales. Really passionate about it. We're talking a decade ago. Actually, probably 15 years ago. Um, and I basically lost interest. I still own the site. It, you know, it makes a few sales now, but I don't have the passion, don't have the interest, but yet it could do so much. And I would honestly, somebody made me the right number. They could, they could have it. And there's so many of those things out there where people have had them for years. They've got, you know, they've got long-term profits, everything, but they've been like me, been hit by the one of the seven D's. Like no longer interested. Not, you know, I'm not excited over. And I know this is. Please don't take this. I'm not. I know I'm going to get email. I'm not excited about sixty or seventy thousand dollars. If that makes sense. Um, I'd like to have an extra sixty or seventy, but I'm not going to spend the time to make that business to where it probably should be or probably what needs to be. And the reality is I guarantee you there are tons of those businesses sitting around out there that people just haven't thought about selling, don't want to deal with. You know, how many things have people moved on to? And I think that we often overlook some of that low-hanging fruit. Because if you were to purchase it, and I'm just going to use this as an example, to skills to A, if you have to learn how to do WordPress, do a design, do a logo, create content, set it up in a membership site, set up a shopping cart, set up a payment processor. I mean, none of the, those can easily be outsourced, but having to tie it all together versus actually just buy it already ready to go, that's a big difference. I mean, you could purchase something with 30 days, you could have ownership of it. And, you know, as long as you've got a plan to use media buying to grow it, you're good to go. Absolutely. And another big part of media buying is that when an investor is thinking about whether or not to uh, down the line acquire your company, the single biggest question that uh, he or she has is as follows. Will the sales continue when the ownership is transferred? And so if your business growth strategy is focused on something that is what we call crisp, at the, the firm I'm with that I, I've co-founded called ConvertPort, it's controllable, repeatable, scalable, predictable, then I know, let's say if I bought that woodworking um, site from you, that if the majority of your traffic came through media buying versus personality marketing or SEO or whatever, all I have to do is switch the Facebook ads account or all I have to do is switch the um, Google ads account and the traffic is going to co um, continue. And so people should understand that media buying, the actual skill of efficient media buying is as much about building your wealth because you have a company that is sellable and transferable as it is about short-term income. And inevitably, again, just pulling this all back to the big reason why, all we're talking about is how to get more with less. And so you're not going to hear about this on 99.99% of the, the internet marketing blogs out there because either people know about it and they're keeping it to themselves, you're not going to hear about it unless you can invest in their $10,000 um, um, mentoring program or go to their $5,000 event, or they don't know about it themselves. And so I think that it is only through uncovering those resources that are either expensive or hard to reach that you really get those aha moments. And I can tell you that if you have the skills to buy media effectively, then you have the skills to acquire a business and the same amount of work that it takes to take a campaign, let's say from $100 a day to $500 a day, that is probably twice the work that it takes to take a business from, let's say, um, $100,000 a year to, um, to $500,000 a year. But we're talking about the difference of $400,000 versus the dis the um, the difference of four hundred um, extra four hundred uh, extra dollars a day. So that should be a huge um, wake up call for folks listening in today. Absolutely. Now you hit on something. Tell us about ConvertPort. I'm at the site. It rocks. Tell us about it. Tell us what you can do, and how can we basically get in contact with you? Well, ConvertPort is our uh, vision for uh, using some of the the tactics that we talked about for making businesses more sellable. So I started out like everyone doing lead gen, doing CPA back in 2007. And I was lucky enough to start a business and, and we sold it, spent some time in Mexico and Budapest and London for a while, kicking around Europe. And then I just kind of got tired of that and I wanted to do something different. And so I hooked up with 
uh, two media buying colleagues in the industry. Collectively, we have about 25 uh, years of experience, and we have humbly been able to buy and sell over 25 billion ad impressions, generate uh, over a million B2B and B2C sales leads and over 25,000 customers. So through a lot of trial and error, we, we really perfected the methodology that we call GRASS. So that's growth as a service. And our whole vision is to work with companies that are actually owned by private equity firms. But if we come across some folks who, let's say, have a really solid service business, let's say you might be a coach or consultant, and you want to build a, a consulting or coaching practice that's actually sellable versus the whole, um, I'm just going to do personality marketing, and then when it's time to retire, well, I mean, the money's going to stop then this is a service that's for you. And our, we, our uh, three pillars of growth at ConvertPort are basically data signs, so 80-20 data signs where we look at the customers and the, and the clients that are giving you more with less. The second pillar is effective media buying. And then the third pillar is marketing automation with our CRM platform called ConvertPort. So if you're listening to this and you want sales that are controllable, repeatable, scalable, and predictable that aren't feast and famine, and more importantly, you really resonate with this idea of building wealth versus building income so you can live that international lifestyle so that you can work with the people that you want so that you have time to enjoy the relationships that you want. But then by all means, um, check us out at convertport.com. You can send an email to me directly at shola, S-H-O-L-A, at convertport.com. And we actually have a sales funnel diagnostic where we'll step, step through your whole funnel and then we'll point out some of those small tweaks in your funnel where you can get more with less. That is brilliant. And one thing that I want to make sure everybody really understood, you're not working with affiliate marketers. You're not working with CPA marketers. I'll tell you at the end of the day, affiliate marketing and CPA is a great way to get your feet wet. It's a great way to test a market. But at the end of the day, I know very few wealth – actually, know very few wealthy affiliates because the reality of it is it's not a business. It, it, well, it is a business. It generates income, but it's very short-term. You're working with long-term product owners, investors, SaaS services, things of that nature, correct? Exactly. And the funny thing is, Charles, I think you sent me a deal a couple of weeks ago. Um, instead of using that those affiliate dollars just to uh, promote more products, mm-hmm. you can buy an affiliate network. So you could probably buy a really solid affiliate network for anywhere, a small one, but one nonetheless, for anyone from, let's say, 250000 to 500000 So instead of using your money to be the employee as the affiliate marketer, use your profit to actually buy the whole network. That, again, is a subtle but powerful mindset shift, where instead of thinking about the, as like the marketer, which is more like the well-paid employee, now you're thinking about the investor, who is the person who owns it, and the person who controls it, and the person who is building something that he or she can transfer on when either you retire or when you pass on. That's what it's really about, legacy, um, leverage, and lifestyle. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. And guys, make sure you hop over to ConvertPort at C-O-N-V-E-R-T port.com. Check her out. Opt in. They've got a free training. Um, So make sure you grab that. And this is Charles, guys. Thank you and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Media Buyers Association, or MBA, with Charles Kirkland. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address, MediaBuyersAssociation.com, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archive section on our website for previous podcasts. Join us next time for another edition of MBA.